With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. At Bed365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Uh, I had great plans for the Patriots to put up a bunch of points. That didn't really work out. Although Gillisley was great. That was about the end of that. <laughs> Let's uh, concentrate on those positives, yeah, Church. that's right. Uh, the positives for the Patriots, of course, is they get a, what should be an extraordinarily high-scoring game this week. And then the week after that, they get Houston, who may be without both of their starting cornerbacks. So there's uh, there's some positivity left for uh, for uh, our Patriots yet. Uh, this in the last half hour, uh, numerous reports now saying that Odell Beckham expected to play on Monday night. Now, we'll get to this matchup and spend a little more time with it a little later, but I'll go to the Giants' desk. Brian, it's Monday. You know, People are going to have to make their Sunday decision at noon without much more information than they've got right now that Odell may play, and that he's, he's, we know he's listed as questionable. What do you think? You always fear the uh, dreaded decoy role for I, any, for I any star absolutely receiver. absolutely do. So, uh, I don't know. It's encouraging news, but obviously do not put him in your wide receiver spot. Put him in your flex if possible and have some kind of fallback plan on Monday night. Uh, like we'll a Theo Riddick or something like something that? Something like that. Maybe even a, the corpse of the still young Eric Ebron, something like that. I don't know. But make sure he's in your flex. But uh, let's hope he plays. It'll be better for the sake of fantasy football, which was uh, atrocious last week. I've got so. that game, and I'm going to be recommending that people do not Play him, and let's just take let's take a week off. You've probably rather than have to go into Monday night and hoping you can flex a Sterling Shepherd or something. I would rather just let's take a week off. Worst thing that happens is he comes back and plays a great game. You didn't start him, and now you know you got Odell Beckham rolling forward. The and, downside and you is lost. The downside, That's the worst is, thing that could happen. The downside is well, the downside <laughs> is is that he doesn't play. It was a decoy. He doesn't play at all. That this is all just puffery, and you know they they're just trying to make. The Lions have to account for him in their schemes. What is puffery? Puffery. That's when you, you know, it's a blather. It's a lot of, you know, you're puffing. It's smoke. Are you making up words right now? No, absolutely not. Let's let's get into the matchups. Of course, by the way, over the course of the show, we've got our take a chance on me players. Nine players not normally in your starting lineup, many of whom are on the waiver wire. Two of my three are waiver wire guys. Five tough questions. Premature speculation, and we'll break down all 15 of the matchups, and we're going to have to go quickly. This one should not take long. Jets at Oakland. Matt. Jets, everybody's on the bench. Bilal Powell and Matt Forte. The problem, it's a time split. Forte had 60% of the snaps. Powell's on the field for 52%. They almost split touches down the middle. It's gross there. That was exactly the scenario that I laid out uh, last week when we talked about this matchup, and I was like, you know what? 
this thing really scares me. We all know Bilal Powell's the best, the best runner, but the Jets don't. You're peacocking that they suck. I'm I'm peacocking <laughs> that we here are smarter than the Jets. Uh, the one guy I'll mention on the Jets that you're not going to start, but you should keep an eye on is Jermaine Curse. It's worth noting that. He had nine targets and seven receptions last week. He was on the field for 95% of the Jets' snaps. He is their wide receiver one right now. Mm-hmm. And if you get desperate down the line and the matchup's good, Jermaine Curse could be a guy that you could pick up and play. On the Oakland side, it's pretty much start everybody. Wait, was that premature, premature speculation? <sighs> That's like super premature. Yeah. Yeah. Premature, premature speculation. Really gross. Go pick up Jermaine Curse. All right. Um, Oakland side. Marshawn Lynch, I got an A start on him. Lynch looked powerful last week, 92 yards on 19 carries, and those were some bruising, punishing runs last week. It's his homecoming in Oakland. They're going to get him in the end zone for sure, and there's no Mike Tolbert here to vulture his (laughs) touchdown carry like what happened to LaShawn McCoy last week. That duo combined for 152 yards and a score. No one is afraid of the Jets' run defense anymore. Marshawn Lynch is an A. He's my number one ranked running back this week. Well, of course he is your number one ranked mm-hmm. running back. You love Marshawn Lynch. I Derek do. Carr's a B. Uh, I think it would be an easy A, but the main concern here is that the Raiders' lead at halftime is so large that game script just kind of forces Derek Carr out of the game, and they don't have to pass much. They can they can really cycle in a lot of runs and just run out the clock. So I'm also giving Mari Cooper and Michael Crabtree a B as well. Anytime Buster Screen is involved in a defense, I try to play all the receivers I can. Cooper had a few drops last week, and no team has dropped more passes in their last eight games as the Raiders have. A lot of that has to do with Cooper. It's Cooper. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty much it's him. all Cooper. Drops more balls than a hernia specialist. <laughs> Just Mr. One-Liner today. What did that, you have for breakfast? Only that Mike could drop. That That's right. Supported by some kind of stand mechanism. Uh, Crabtree and Cooper have essentially an equal target load since they arrived in Oakland together in the beginning of 2015. Don't think too hard about Crabtree. He's an every-week starter in that he lineup. He is. He's, he's fantastic. And then Jared Cook, I got a C-start on him. Cook caught all five of his targets last week for 56 yards. The Bills' tight ends combined for... Five catches, 75 yards, and a touchdown last week. So it seems like Cook's going to get about five receptions here, around 60 yards and half a touchdown. Buffalo takes on the Carolina Panthers. I think everybody knows to start LaShawn McCoy no matter what. He's an obvious A. Are there any other Bills to play here? I got him as a B right now, though, in a tough matchup. The Bills Mm -hmm. will just not let him score touchdowns. They won't. There is that. As Matt said, Tolbert had uh, the short touchdown, more carries inside the five. Tyrod Taylor threw five times inside the ten, twice Mm. inside the five. They just do not give Shady the ball to stripe. It's a tough matchup. You're starting him either way, but um, a B because it is against Carolina, and he's not a workhorse near the goal line for whatever reason. We need a Mike Tolbert vulture sound. Oh, uh, revenge game for Mike Tolbert, by the way, in Carolina. Maybe Tony can help us find a vulture sound. I'm going to have to look up what that sounds like, but I'll I'll see what I can do. Do you think we knew what a peacock sounded like a year ago? We had no idea. (laughs) And yet, here we are with a peacock sounder. Yeah. All right. Now you're way off. Skin being ripped off a dead carcass. That's what it sounded like to me. But anyway, Tyrod Taylor. uh, (laughs) Turn graphic. Well, that's what vultures do. Uh, Tyrod Taylor on the bench since week nine of last year. Carolina hasn't allowed more than two passing touchdowns. And they've allowed one or zero touchdowns in all but four games during that span. So Taylor is on the bench, as is Jordan Matthews. Did have two catches for 61 yards last week, but just three targets. Mm -hmm. Uh, I do think he will improve over the season, but I'm not ready to start him just yet. And, uh... Charles Clay, give him a C. Uh, he's averaging. Oh, 
Whoa. This is not distracting at all. Uh, no. There's your vulture right There's there. Mike Culver. I can't, put horrifying. it on the button bar, Tony. I want to get the vulture sound rolling for this year, Fantasy Football Weekly. That, Thank you. That is a horrifying noise. That is a horrifying noise. Just Where to let you that? guys know, there's a 10-hour YouTube clip if you really wanted to go nuts. 10 hours of vulture sounds. There might be 10 hours of Tolbert stealing shady touchdowns this year. We'll see. Uh, Charles Clay giving him a C. Over his last five games, averaging five catches, 56 yards, and a one-hole touchdown. And uh, here's a great stat from Fanball Scott Fish. Uh, since the start of 2016, Charles Clay has 15 receptions when his quarterback has been under pressure. That is second among tight ends, meaning he is a... He's the dump-off guy. He's the dump-off safety, valve. safety valve, yep. and that's going to happen this week against the Panthers. So uh, he will be a PPR helper for sure. Panthers front four is still elite. Very elite. Uh, and Luke Keekley up and running as he was uh, not at all times last year. Uh, over to Carolina, Cam Newton going to give him a B. Was clearly rusty coming off the shoulder injury, but did throw for two, t- two touchdowns. Had six carries, one inside the 10-yard line. So he is running the ball a little bit still. Uh, so he's in a, a good spot this week, giving him a B. I'll still give Kelvin Benjamin a B. Only five targets last week, uh, but that was second to uh, Christian McCaffrey for most on the team. Uh, he has about seven inches on cornerbacks Traveri- Traveri- Tredavious White. (laughs) I think that's how you pronounce it, actually. And EJ Gaines, so I'm still starting Benjamin this week. EJ Gaines is awful. Very bad corner. Very true. Uh, Greg Olson, he gets a C. His targets were way down last week, uh, as we kind of discussed. He did have two catches to Benjamin's one, though. So in five hot questions, you said Benjamin's receptions would suffer more I said Olsen. No, no, you no, said no opposite. I was, uh, Olsen was uh, the yes. right answer. So, so no, but but now I'm right because Olsen had two catches and Benjamin had one. Well, they but, both suffered. Yeah, but Olsen's in the lead right now. But anyway, he gets a C, not a great matchup. Uh, mm-hmm. But Buffalo was ranked 11th, 11th against tight ends by fantasy or by football outsiders last year, so there's hope for Olsen. Even though Christian McCaffrey is starting to steal the show, I'm going to give him a B, borderline A, led the team in targets and catches last week, also had 13 carries. He's going to be a guy that you're going to start regardless of matchup because they're going to put the ball in his hands. I think he took a few direct snaps as well. So excited about him this week. And Jonathan Stewart gets a B. Uh, 18 carries last week. Had a nice receiving touchdown. He got all the carries inside the 10-yard line for the Panthers at running back. And this is a matchup where game script could favor him in the second half. This played out for Jonathan Stewart. It's only one week, but it played out exactly like we told you it would in the preseason. Oh, yeah. Christian McCaffrey doesn't suddenly mean he's not the goal line guy, and it doesn't suddenly mean he's not going to get any carries. And McCaffrey got a lot of carries, more than I expected, like 13 carries in the game. I was thinking he was going to be more like a 7 or 8 guy. Yeah. But even with that, Stewart put together a solid game. Let's go to the Vikings taking on the Steelers. You are done, correct? Vikings taking on the Steelers. Uh, first, let's just say this. The, if if it turns out Bradford can't go, and there's, I think, I think he's going to play, but it there could be some smokescreen here. Everybody gets knocked down a full letter grade if it's Case Keenum, and then you wouldn't even want to start Case Keenum. Right now, every meaningful Viking is a B on my sheet. Let's start with the running game of Dalvin Cook. He'll be put to the test against a defense that held Isaiah Crowell to just 1.9 yards per carry in the opener. And if you think, well, it's just Isaiah Crowell and the Browns, Browns' offensive line's better than the Vikings' offensive line, so there's that. Uh, but Dalvin Cook's got the pass-catching ability that that Crowell does not have, and that should ultimately keep him here as a B-grade, again, assuming Sam Bradford ends up ends up playing in this game. So let's go to the passing game and Bradford. Now he's, they've got the knee injury, and team's downplaying it. We're hoping it's not a smoke screen here. Steelers registered seven sacks against Cleveland last week. T.J. Watt looks like an immediate difference maker on that defensive line. And again, before you just go, oh, it's the Browns. Again, the offensive line's better than ours. 
So if they got to the quarterback seven times, I think we're going to see a lot fewer deep downfield plays for Sam Bradford this week than he had the luxury of last week. I didn't. I don't know the exact stat, but T.J. Watt was the first rookie ever in his first game to have like two sacks, a forced fumble, and make, yeah, make a lineman pee his pants at the same time. <laughs> that, that's right. Soil he, himself. He looks totally it's, legit. It's the rare soiling stat. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm nervous about a lot of short dump off stuff for Bradford. That would be great for Thielen from a PPR standpoint. Now that he's in the slot, he is going to um, he's going to catch a lot of passes because the Vikings love throwing the short timing stuff to their slot receiver. Last year it was Diggs. Now it's Thielen. We saw it materialize last week, and he faces the worst cornerback on their roster, slot cornerback Mike Hilton. So I like Thielen at a B grade. Diggs, I don't like quite as much, but he still gets a B-grade hitter here because he's going to draw a favorable matchup against Joe Hayden. I think the Browns knew what they were doing when they cut him loose. Hayden is not not a special player. And he graded out badly in the last game. So plus matchup for Diggs, who also gets a B-grade, and Kyle Rudolph targeted in the red zone. No no tight end targeted in the red zone more times last year than Rudolph was, and then last week scored from the red zone. So we'll continue to, um, we'll continue to start him at a B-grade. Let's flip over to the Steelers' side. A grade for Le'Veon Bell, and I mean that should surprise nobody. And you know you wouldn't bench him anyway. But the Vikings did limit the Saints' three-headed backfield to just 60 combined rushing yards, and Bell was stymied by the stupid Browns defense last week. So you know this thing has still got some flux to it. But that was Le'Veon Bell's preseason game, though. right? So that was the knockoff the rust game, yeah. right? So we assume Bell's going to be back and be much better here. And and here's the real thing though with Bell: if Anthony Barr can't go, Bell is going to be devastating on this defense, both as a runner and as a receiver out of the backfield, which obviously he's an elite pass-catching back, and Barr would pick up that assignment normally. So if Barr can't go, Bell is sitting on potentially a gigantic game. Then we go to Antonio Brown, another obvious A start. He will probably get a lot of Xavier Rhodes, and we've seen Rhodes shut down opposing number ones many, many times. So, But it's still Antonio Brown. Um, this is It's a tough matchup. Uh, Rhodes allowed opposing receivers to catch only 41% of targeted balls last year, which was the best number of any starting cornerback in the league last year. Still, I thought Rhodes was just okay last week, and Brown was obviously awesome, so he maintains an A grade. Roethlisberger gets a B grade here. Of his last 10 home outings, he's notched 300 yards in nine of them, and multiple <laughs> touched and, th- and 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 or three touchdowns in nine of them. So. It's a, it's an, anytime he's at home, Ben is sitting at potentially an explosive game. Uh, Martavis Bryant gets a B grade here. I think he's going to draw Trey Waynes throughout this matchup. Is it speed versus speed? I thought Waynes played pretty well in week one, but throughout his career, pretty inconsistent. Martavis Bryant, and it was kind of a knockoff the rust game for him too last week. Sure. Where he didn't do anything. Now he's a year, he's another week back in. I give him a B grade. Jesse James gets a C grade. Uh, we saw Kobe Fleener with a, a nice game against the Vikings defense. And again, if Anthony Barr's out, this you know, Anthony Barr gets a lot of tight end assignments. And if Barr's out, that would open up the middle for Jesse James. Don't expect another two touchdowns, but a C grade for him. That bumps up to a B grade if Barr doesn't go. When we come back, take a chance on me. Nine players, many of whom are available on the waiver wire. Many of you already in week two looking for waiver wire help. One week help. We'll tell you who those guys are when we come back.
Can't take a chance on me. Nine players not normally in your starting lineup. We'll tell you who they are beginning at the quarterback position and Brian Johnson. I'm going Mike Glennon of the Bears in a revenge game in Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay was one of 10 teams to allow 250-plus passing yards per game to quarterbacks last year. Jordan Howard's looking a little iffy for Chicago, so it could be a lot of pass attempts coming for Glennon. It's a volume play. The end. I got Jacoby Brissett, uh, the Colts' starting quarterback this week, going up against Arizona. The Cardinals' defense looked shaky last week against Matt Stafford and the Lions. They allowed 292 passing yards and four touchdowns. The Cards have given up 15 passing touchdowns in their last five games. My math says that's about three per game. And when Brissett came in last week, at least he aired the ball out a little bit. He completed two passes, one of which went for 50 <laughs> yards. Well, there's that. Uh, and in his and his two starts in New England last season, he proved to be pretty mobile. He averaged six yards per carry. He, he might be on the hook to do all of this by himself this week, so... I got Jacoby Brissett. I'm going with Blake Bortles against Tennessee. Unlike last week, the Jaguars will be probably playing from behind, which means plenty of passing, and you know what that means. The return of garbage time, Blake Bortles, no, no, baby. It's garbortledge yeah, time. It's garbortledge time. <laughs> Tennessee's got a great run defense and a very wobbly pass defense. They gave up 262 yards and two touchdowns to David Carr last week, and it should have been a lot more if Amari Cooper could hang on to a damn ball. Last year, the Titans ranked 29th against their pass. The secondary's filled with question marks, including rookie Adoree Jackson, who got trucked in last week's game. Let's go to the running back position. Brian. Uh, Alvin Kamara, rookie running back for the Saints at home against New England. Uh, Adrian Peterson is not a fit for the Saints. Uh, Certainly not in this game, which will be an expected shootout with with the Patriots. Uh, Kamara was on the field for slightly fewer snaps than Mark Ingram last week, but he did have more targets and carries. And I think it's fair to compare Kamara's skill set to Kareem Hunt. And oh, yeah. we all remember what Kareem Hunt did to the Patriots yep. in Week 1. So I agree. Uh, Kamara should be a solid play this week. Okay, Matt. I've got Jamal Charles going up against the Cowboys. Dallas basically gave up nothing on the ground to the Giants last week, mostly because Paul Perkins should be working at Perkins instead of playing <laughs> football. Uh, they did get torched by Shane Vereen, who had nine catches for 51 yards. Uh, and the Giants have saw some sort of weakness at the running back passing game as they threw 14 times for a league-high 12 receptions to running backs against the Cowboys. Charles had 10 carries last week, spelling C.J. Anderson, but at one point he was one of the best receiving running backs in the game, and I yeah. think that they get him going this week. I've got uh, another receiving angle, and that's Shane Vereen going up against Detroit last week. Nine catches for Shane Vereen. Nine 51 yards, times. nine times. He finished week one ranked among running backs, number two in targets, number two in receptions, and number six in receiving yards. His opponent this week is Detroit. Last week, Detroit gave up 105 receiving yards to running backs. Woo! So it's all coming together here with more dump-off stuff to Shane Vereen this week for the Giants on Monday night. I like that call. Thank you. My premature Giants speculation. Desk. Yeah, he was your premature speculation guy last week. Uh, Nicely done on that. There's the a peacock sound yeah, in the that? music. I like it. Uh, I, had, I had Alvin Kamara, who now you're recommending as your uh, last week. And now uh, we should do a radio show. <laughs> we should do a radio show or something. Uh, who is your uh, who is your uh, wide receiver? I'm going Robert Woods of the Rams at home against Washington, who was ranked 29th against secondary wide receivers by Football Outsiders last year. That's the obvious Josh Norman effect, who will likely be shadowing Sammy Watkins in this game. Woods was involved uh, quite heavily in a game where the Rams didn't really need to pass all that much last yeah. week. Had yep. 53 yards and two catches of 20-plus yards. So uh, Washington's a team that gets thrown on a lot, so he could have a good game here. Okay. 
I went tight end with this, and uh, I went with my guy Cameron Brait, a guy I kind of touted in the preseason as a late-round flyer. We didn't get to see Brait last week due to Irma, but we did get to see the Bears give up 128 yards and a score to Austin Hooper. Most of that came on one play, however. Yes. Uh, But they also did give up a big day to Kyle Rudolph in Week 17 last year where he had 11 catches, 117 yards, and a touch. Jared Cook had a big game in Week 15. And if we go back to Week 10... Cameron Brait had seven catches for 84 yards and a touchdown against these Bears. So I'd like Cameron Brait to do it again this week. I love the opportunity J.J. Nelson has against the Colts. John Brown has been ruled out of this game. So J.J. Nelson, who goes from kind of a rotational player, will be a full-time player. He scored a touchdown last week. And now, without David Johnson, the mandate for the Cardinals is going to be to win this thing through the air, largely. Kerwin Williams is not a gifted runner. Obviously, the Colts' defense is in shambles. Jared Goff just posted a career-best game against them. Cooper Cup just roared through the Colts' secondary. Starting safety Darius Butler is out. Starting cornerback Vontae Davis is out. And Pro Football Focus ranks the cornerbacks, TJ Green and Rashawn Melvin, among the very worst starters in the league. J.J. Nelson, a terrific pickup and play this week. And I love him in fanball, where he's basically free in the fanball scoring system. All right, that wraps up. Charge. Take a chance on me. Yes. You missed an awesome opportunity to oh. say, Cooper Cup runneth over. Oh, <laughs> my God. I got it. I'll remember that. Yeah. You're absolutely right. I did. Uh, Miami Dolphins taking on the Los Angeles Chargers. Matt, what do you. Uh, so we haven't seen the we haven't seen the Dolphins yet. Yeah. What do you think of our prospects for our first? Most of the teams. It felt like last week all these first start offenses yeah. almost all struggled. Yeah. This is the first game for the Dolphins. I'm very nervous about them for the exact same reason. Uh, the guy that I do like the most out of this is Jay Ajayi, who was mm-hmm. uh, they played last year. He was limited to 80 total yards on 20 touches last November. But the Broncos' backs combined for 4.0 yards per carry against the Chargers last week. So I got Ajayi as a B grade. Mm-hmm. Uh, going over to the passing game, I got uh, Devontae Parker as a C grade. Jason Verrett was added to the injury report on Thursday with a knee injury. He's really good. This He's could really good. be a day off for him, or it could be the same knee that he had ACL surgery on last season, and that could be concerning. But the Chargers do have two good corners. The other one's Casey Hayward. Casey Hayward likely draws the, the lineup against Parker, who I have as a C grade, but if Varek plays, he should get to Kenny Stills. So I still like Parker better than Landry this week, but it would have been better had uh, both of these corners, frankly, right. not been, been on him. Jarvis Landry I gave a C as well. He gets the best wide receiver matchup. Uh, he gets slot corner Trevor Williams, and we we pounded on the slot corners against the Chargers last year, right? Over and over and over again. Landry and Cutler didn't seem to have the overall no, vibe. In that, the no, that's the bad that's thing. The concerning I mean, part. Tannehill is all about the dink and dunk underneath yeah. stuff, and that's all Landry brings to the table. Yeah, and so I'm worried about a mismatch with his quarterback here, but I still think your C grade on Landry is safe. Yeah, I think it's fair. Um, and then Cutler, uh, I have Cutler on the bench. The Chargers have not allowed a 300 yard passer in their last eight games, and only. Three quarterbacks have thrown for multiple scores in that span. Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram, this just in, they're pretty good edge rushers, and they got two good cornerbacks. I want to see Cutler play a full game before I trust him. Uh, and Julius Thomas, I got him on the bench. It's a really bad desperation play at tight end if you need him, but there's no buys this week, and there, there's just more tight ends that have better matchups than this. 
Over on the Chargers side, I got Melvin Gordon with an A start. Last year, Miami yielded the fourth most rushing yards and the sixth most receptions to running backs. In the meeting between the two teams last year, Gordon had 132 total yards. Yeah. He's a great start. He's my number three running back this week. Uh, the passing game, Phillip Rivers, Keenan Allen, and Tyrell Williams, I gave them all B grades. I mentioned that these two teams played in 2016. That was week 10. Rivers threw for 326 yards and three touchdowns in that meeting. Williams had a huge game there, yeah. 125 yards and a touchdown. Obviously, Keenan Allen was hurt. Allen ran 61% out of his of his routes last week from the slot, which should mean That's that he surprising. faces the worst cornerback that Miami has. That's Bobby McCain. Mm-hmm. He was the 10th worst corner in Pro Football Focus's rankings last year. Finally, the two tight ends, Antonio Gates and Hunter Henry. Wow, was this a disappointment last week. Uh, I got them both on the bench this week, too. Henry and Gates uh, scored against the Dolphins last season, but both. Gates, both of them, but Gates looked like a 40-year-old oh, for is. sure, <laughs> and uh, and Henry got zero targets last week, so I'm really nervous that they're going to keep force-feeding Gates the ball until he gets his touchdown. He's going to promptly retire on the field. <laughs> right then and there. And then we can let loose Hunter Henry and go with him. That's funny. I'd uh, I'd like to see an in-game retirement. That'd be a whole new touchdown celebration. <laughs> you work out. You, you pull take, out. Takes you pull your retirement helmets. papers out of like you got it it's hidden in, in your jersey. They bring a cake out, out to you. Out. Yeah, they bring the cake out. <laughs> right, gold watch. Gold watch. Yeah. <laughs> it's all over right they there on the field. Drop a backdrop behind him and a little press conference podium. Wouldn't that be nice? Be I like. I like the sound of that. Uh, when we come back, Chicago Bears take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We'll tell you what to expect from our first look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, including Jaquez Rogers with a start. Do you dare go with him? We'll tell you when we come back. Welcome back to Fantasy Football Weekly. I'm the fan, Paul Churchy and Matt Harrison. Brian Johnson with you. Many thanks to our decade-long sponsor, Grain Belt Premium, the official beer of fantasy football. Don't forget to play the free Crush Charge Challenge at GrainBelt.com. It is a true weekly game. So even if you didn't play last week, that doesn't mean you, it doesn't change anything for week number two. You can come into week two, play against me, beat me, find yourself at Manny's for the Winner's Banquet in January and your chance at the $2,000 grand prize. Many thanks to our friends at the brewery, Sean Ryan, Ted Marty, Jody Marty. Let's roll on to the matchups. Chicago Bears taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Jordan Howard's a little gimpy in this one. Tariq Cohen splashed big time. We'll be spending more on those guys a little bit later, broadly speaking. But do you like him in this game against Tampa specifically, Brian? No, i got to give Jordan Howard a C in this one. Uh, Limited with a shoulder injury. Might be out, or it could possibly be limited in the game. Might not even play. Uh, When healthy, you play Jordan Howard in any matchup based on his expected heavy volume, but that might not be the case here. So you got to be a little worried if you're a Howard owner. Might even explore other options if you can. Tariq Cohen, uh, I know you probably would be in the B range, Charge. I'm going to be a little more conservative and give him a C. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's not forget he played Atlanta last week, the perfect matchup for a pass-catching running back like Tariq Cohen. Tampa Bay is not the perfect matchup. Uh, No running back top five five catches against the Bucks last year, and they only allowed five catches to the position twice. So Cohen certainly certainly is in play, but I'm a little conservative with him this week, giving him a C. Uh, Mike Glennon was my take-a-chance-on-me quarterback. That was more of a revenge game hybrid uh, garbage time angle there, but mm-hmm. there is some hope for him, as there is for Kendall Wright. Going to give him a C. He was my take-a-chance-on-me wide receiver last week. Didn't post great numbers, but as expected, still led Chicago wide receivers in targets, catches, and yards. 
It was yeah, like three catches, hey, 30 yards. Went, I'm, I'm, okay. not, I'm not lying. I'm telling you. They're factually correct, <laughs> yes. Uh, he will draw uh, slot corner Robert McClain, who allowed a 133.8 passer rating in slot coverage last year, according to Pro Football Focus. That was third worst among quarterback cornerbacks with at least 100 snaps in slot coverage. Uh, over to the Bucks, James Winston gets an A. Uh, hopefully the Bucks aren't rusty. We kind of mentioned that uh, in the last segment. Uh, Matt Ryan went for 321 yards and a touchdown against the Bears last week. Seems like a safe floor for Winston here, especially when he has weapons like Mike Evans, who, I'll, who I will also give an A. The Bears did hold Julio Jones in check last week, but Mike Evans is a different breed in the red zone. Prince of Mukamara and Marcus Cooper are cornerbacks that just don't have the size to hang with Evans. No one really does, so he's an easy A. Deshaun Jackson, I uh, basically give him a C every week just because he's such a boomer bust play. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike Evans is easily the best Batman wide receiver he's had, meaning Deshaun Jackson is clearly the Robin in that relationship. Uh, could be in for a big season, maybe a big game in this one, but he's a coin flip. But uh, he's, he's a wide receiver three for sure. Cameron Brait was Matt's take a chance on me receiver this week. He's in a good spot. Uh, as is Jaquiz Rogers, uh, game script could favor him in the second half. The Bears were not good against the run last year. Ranked 29th by Football Outsiders. And you drafted Jaquiz Rogers to use him in the first three weeks for the most part. You might no, be or at least have player. the option to use him. And, and your flex, but yeah, this is a, this is a guy, matchup probably. you want to use him. Otherwise, you shouldn't even drafted him. So uh, start him this week. He's a B. Patriots and the Saints should be the highest scoring game of the week. And I've got obvious Maybe a, the year. Yeah, maybe. Uh, obvious A grades for Brady, Cooks, and Gronk, who are my number two, three, and one respective guys at their positions. And it's an obvious bounce-back game against a terrible defense for the Patriots who have 10 days to prepare for this game, and the Saints have a short week after playing on Monday night. Mike Gillisley also with an A grade. If you think the Patriots are going to score a lot of points, just keep this in mind. If you think the Patriots are going to score a lot of points, any given touchdown, any of them, the most likely scorer is Mike Gillisley. Just like LeGarrette Blount was last year, just like Gillisley was in Week 1, if you think there are going to be a bunch of touchdowns in this game, nobody's more likely to score them than Mike Gillisley is. Every pass interference in the end zone leads to a one-yard Mike Gillisley <laughs> yeah. touchdown run. Yes, it does. Dalvin Cook ran through this defense last week. B grade for Chris Hogan. Plays most of his snaps on the right side of the field. And like Stefan Diggs last week, that means he'll smoke Devontae Harris, too. And if he flips the other side, he gets rookie Marshawn Lattimore in his second-ever start. So I don't think there's a lose scenario here for Chris Hogan. Uh, sneaky start for Rex Burkhead. Uh, with Edelman and Amendola out, I think Burkhead's going to get a lot of work from the slot. And that's where Adam Thielen just humiliated P.J. Williams for nine receptions. I think a lot of that goes to Rex Burkhead. And... James White with a C grade here. He carried the ball 10 times last week, which surprised me that it was that high for carries. He didn't do anything with it, though. Um, New Orleans is a neutral matchup against running backs in the passing game, and I just think he continues to help you with the stuff that James White does, the five receptions, the six receptions, the seven or eight carries, and at the end of the day, you end up with a a C-level PPR start. for You could probably give the New England water boy a C in this one. You you probably (laughs) could, yes. Uh, For New Orleans... A grade on Drew Brees, an obvious A start here, particularly at home, where over the past two years, his average game, 340 yards. Jeez. Average. For most of the NFL's quarterbacks over the last two years, that's their one high watermark is a 340-yard game. That's like their career high. That's a a career high game. (laughs) That's right. That's Drew Brees' average game over the last two years at home and 2.6 touchdown passes. 
He is an A. Kobe Fleener is an A. Patriots won't have linebacker Dante Hightower, and that hurts their second-level linebackers where Fleener makes a living. He, and he was productive against a better Vikings defense last week, including scoring a touchdown. Fleener is an A. My heart is a flutter with that degree. You love that, don't you? <laughs> yes. Uh, let's go to the uh, let's go to the wide receivers. Michael Thomas gets a B. He got bottled up by Xavier Rhodes in the opener, but should fare better against Malcolm Butler, unless Butler Butler got he got just cleanly beat on Thursday in Week One. But last year was really good, so I, I'm I think Butler was I, I'd like to think Butler can play better than he did two Thursdays ago. But if he's if he's not, you know, if he's like that same guy that he was two Thursdays ago, then Michael Thomas has got a chance. He's got to be great here. Ted Ginn gets a B grade. He didn't splash against the Vikings, a better defense. And the Chiefs killed the Patriots' defense with speed. The deep play to Hill. The deep passes that they threw to um, Kareem Hunt. Speed killed this Patriots' defense. And I think the, I think the Saints are going to find out whether or not that's going to kill them here, too. So I like Ginn, the fastest of their receivers. C grades. On running backs, Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara. You use Kamara as your take a chance on me running back. I've got a starting grade on him as well. Mark Ingram for many of the same reasons. Kareem Hunt crushed the Patriots on the ground and through the air. Both Ingram and Kamara can win battles on the ground and through the air. And again, no high tower at the line, at the linebacker level means that these running backs are going to release in release into uh, into into inferior coverage. And I think they've got a chance to catch a lot of balls. Adrian Peterson should be dropped. In fantasy or in reality? Or both? Uh, both. Yeah. They should trade him to the Giants. No, the, thank, no thank you. Yeah, you can. No, uh, <laughs> I, think he's, I think he's got more <laughs> left than Paul Perkins has got, to be honest. I can't argue that. Uh, Eagles take on the Kansas City Chiefs. Matt, what do you... Um, I thought that we got a very good game out of, uh, out of Wentz in the opener, but this is a brutally tough matchup yeah he had uh, 300 yards for the fifth time in his career last week against washington uh but he's never thrown for more than two touchdowns in a game so we got to temper our expectations a little bit on wentz especially over the last eight home games the chiefs are only allowing 14.6 points per game to opponents in arrowhead mm. they're incredibly tough to play at in yeah. kansas city so i only have a c-level start on carson wentz sounds right uh i have a c-level start on alshon jeffrey and here's why marcus peters usually lines up on the right side of coverage yeah alshon, not usually like always, all the time basically alshon only had one target on the right side of the field last week so it mm-hmm. looks like he will avoid the peters coverage that means he likely likely draws Terrence Mitchell, who, according to Pro Football Focus, allowed 96 receiving yards just last week and gave up a couple of big pass interference calls against Brandon Cooks as well. So I got a C-level start on Alshon. Uh, the only other start on the Eagles side is Zach Ertz, who gets a B. The Chiefs lost Eric Berry for the season, and yep. he was the guy who shut down Gronk last week. Correct. Ertz had 95 receptions in his last 16 games. He's led the team in targets, receptions, and yards even last week. He's all over the place and is Wentz's favorite target. I, I love Ertz in this game. I think they're going to throw to him copiously. It could be an A grade. It's it's definitely a B plus. Um, on the bench, LeGarrette Blunt and Darren Sproles. Sproles led the team with 49% of the snaps to Blunt's 35%, but Blunt led the backs with 15 touches and had his second career receiving touchdown. It's weird to think that Blunt vultured yeah. a <laughs> receiving touchdown from Sproles. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> the reverse vulture. The reverse vulture. Well, Jonathan Stewart had one too. Jonathan yeah, Stewart Jonathan, yeah, technically point. vultured McCaffrey. He did, he I guess did through so. the air. What a crazy uh, week it was. <laughs> I got Tory. How Smith appropriate? And- vultures fly. 
The, here's your airborne vulture touchdown. There right we there. go. <laughs> I got Torrey Smith and Nelson Aguilar on the bench. Aguilar tied for the team lead with eight targets last week and, of course, had the big outing. That was his career high in targets, catches, yards, and yeah. scores. And it came week. on a broken play. Yeah. And if you take that play away, he did not. It, it was like four catches yeah. for like. 18 yards or something close to that. Uh, both of those guys should see more Marcus Peters, uh, Torrey Smith specifically, so they're on the bench. On the other side, Kareem Hunt, he's an A after the best fantasy debut for a rookie in week one ever. How will he follow that up? Well, let's hope it's more than 57% of the snaps, yeah. which he had against the Patriots. That's the only disappointing part there. Just think if he had 90%. Right. Uh, Hunt looked good in the passing game, too, running some legit <laughs> downfield under, routes. understatement. Well, the, the downfield routes was the really impressive part. It he was. wasn't just going out in the flat and catching a ball and no, making they something they lined happen. him up outside they, as they, a receiver and let him run. throwing him deep. He so. was the fastest player. You know, these services that now, that now track the speed that players are running at, he was the fastest player in the NFL last week at 20-point-something miles per hour on that touchdown, uh, touchdown reception that he had. Yeah, it's Kareem worth- Hunt. It's worth noting that the Eagles uh, did get beat by Chris Thompson through the air for four catches, 52 yards, and a touchdown as well. Tyreek Hill's got a B. Ronald Darby is out with an ankle injury. He was the best corner that the Eagles had. In his last eight games, Hill has scored six touchdowns, including three on the ground, had the big week last week. He's really good. Uh, Alex Smith, I got a C grade. Alex Smith, get this, has never thrown for 300 yards twice in the same season. Yeah. In the yeah, same that's season. That's a great stat after last week. And he had his one for the season already yeah. this week. Four touchdowns he threw against the Patriots last week. Well, that was pretty much it, too. He only had four outings where he threw two touchdowns last season. Hasn't had three touchdowns in a game before that since week one of 2015. Travis Kelsey, I'm only giving a C grade to as well. Last year, the Eagles gave up the second fewest yards in the league to the tight end position, averaging only 26.4 yards per game to mm-hmm. tight ends. They're really good against the tight end. So that's it. All right, let's go to Titans taking on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Obviously, the Jaguars' defense elite last week, but a much tougher game coming for them against a diverse Tennessee offense. Yeah, let's start with Marcus Mariota. Going to give him a B. He broke his leg in the last meeting between these two teams late in the season in 2016. In his two career games prior, he had 270 yards and two passing touchdowns and 268 and three with one rushing touchdown thrown in. So Jacksonville's defense is improved, but Deshaun Watson made some things happen when mm-hmm. he came in last week, and Mariota is certainly a player of that ilk. Uh, Rashard Matthews, Eric Decker, and Corey Davis. I'm going to give them all a C just because there's just too many of these guys in this, at receiver. Uh, the targets last week, Decker had eight. Rashard Matthews had nine. Corey Davis had ten. Decker by far had the worst statistical day, but he had three red zone targets to the combined two from Matthews and Davis. Yeah, Decker's been dropped in a lot of leagues. Well, go grab I, him. I think you should grab Decker. I don't think I, I think that's an overreaction to week yep. one. Yeah. He was the only wide receiver targeted inside the ten yard line too, and it happened twice last week. How about week. that? Yep. So, Very uh, good sneaky stuff right there. Jalen Ramsey and AJ Bouye are formidable corners for Jacksonville, but uh all these guys are startable. But yeah, if Decker's on the wire, grab him immediately. Delaney Walker gets a B has scored in two of his last three games against Jacksonville. The Jaguars allowed six catches and 60 yards to Houston tight ends last week, so Walker has a nice floor. He, he had nine targets last week, so he felt no ill effects from right. all these wide receivers. Um, DeMarco Murray gets a B. I'm borderline C on Murray right now. Uh, was somewhat plotter-esque against Oakland last mm-hmm. week. Did not look good. Uh, in the two games last year, he had a one 100-yard game with a touchdown, but his most recent game was a huge dud against the Jaguars. Uh, Houston did absolutely nothing on the ground last week against Jacksonville, but Tennessee does have a much better offensive line. You're starting DeMarco Murray, but just barely. I might start Charles Clay over DeMarco Murray in a league of mine. In a wow, two-flex that league says cap. a lot. 
And Derrick Henry is on the bench. It was a two to one split in carries with Murray last week. I expect more of that ratio early on, but his his numbers should climb as the season goes on. Over to Jacksonville, Leonard Fournette gets a B. Uh, great debut for him. I was wrong on him so far. I thought it'd be more of a platoon early on. Uh, Tennessee only allowed three running backs to top seventy rushing yards last year, though. And uh, Leonard Fournette will be the focus of uh, defensive coordinator Dick LeBeau. Real quick on Dick LeBeau, 80 years old, and he's still doing it. That's awesome. <laughs> 40, 44 years as a coach and 14 as a player before, and he's still doing it. One of the best. Uh, Alan Hearns, Marquise Lee, and give them both a C. Neither are that great, uh, but Blake Bortles has to throw to somebody, and Tennessee's secondary is That's how you beat Tennessee, is Tennessee's defense is through the air. It's not on the ground. They did sign quarterback Logan Ryan, which bolstered that secondary a little, but both of those guys are startable because Blake Bortles, as you said, Charge, is your take-a-chance-on-me quarterback. He is my take-a-chance-on-me quarterback. I'm going to try to knock down the Browns at Baltimore Ravens in 90 seconds or less. Wow. Only only one Brown to mention is a starting grade, and that's Isaiah Crowell with a C. Totally ineffective last week. Now he gets a better run defense in Baltimore that only allowed 75 rushing yards to Cincinnati's runners. Crowell did nothing in last week, last year's Week 10 meeting with Baltimore. Your glimmer of hope, though, is if you rewind back to Week 2 of last year against Baltimore, he blew up for 133 yards. That was the biggest total any runner put on the Ravens all year. Everybody else is on the bench for Cleveland. You might be tempted to start Deshaun Kaiser and hope for like rushing yards or rushing touchdowns, but get this. No team allowed fewer rushing yards to quarterbacks last year than the Ravens at four rushing yards per game allowed to quarterbacks. Four. That's it. And if A.J. Green can't get it going, how are you going to start Corey Coleman or you know anybody else from the Browns receivers group? Let's go to the Baltimore side. Terrence West gets a B start. Don't be fooled by the Browns' current standing as the NFL's stingiest run defense. Uh, that, that was the Jets. They caught, or sorry, that was uh, that was Le'Veon Bell looking rusty at, you know, they got rusty, they got him rusty at the right time in the opener. Let's not forget that Cleveland had the 31st ranked run defense last year, giving up 143 ground yards per game. West is an excellent candidate for 20 plus touches with Danny Woodhead out. Even Bunk Allen is startable here with a C grade. I think he's garbage, but so's the Browns defense. So in a matchup of underachievers, he he's did got shave a chance. your hamster that one time. He did shave the hamster once last year, and we'll never forget it. <laughs> now, if we can come up with hamster shaving sound, that would be really impressive. Oh God, please no. Let's go to the passing game. Joe Flacco, a C grade here, knocked the rust off last week. Only completed nine passes, and that, but now he gets a secondary influx without Joe Hayden or Calvin Pryor. Flacco went nuts on the Browns last year, two of his best games of the year. In the two matchups, he combined for 600 passing yards and five touchdowns. He gets a, he gets a C grade in this game. You could move, you could bump him up to a B if you feel a little more exotic, but he did so little work last, last, last week that I don't feel comfortable necessarily making him a B grade. Mike Wallace gets a, a C grade. He scored twice against the Browns in the first matchup last year, and that was in week two. Then he scored one more time the whole rest of the season for Mike Wallace, if you recall. Uh, he's got a decent matchup against Jamar Taylor, who struggled last week. And Jeremy Macklin scored last week, but only had two catches. He's going to draw slot corner Brian Body Calhoun, who's actually pretty solid, so I've got him former gopher the bench. That is correct. He's actually he's, he's not half bad. Yeah. Former gopher. When we come back, five tough questions. Five hot questions. Five hot questions sponsored by Devani's when we return. Welcome back to our number two of Fantasy Football Weekly on the Fan. Paul Charchi and Brian Johnson, Matt Harrison with you. Thank you for spending your Saturday morning with us. 
We have full phone lines right now, but just so you guys know, because I'm, I'm going to be honest with the full slate of games, um, I don't think we're going to get to calls between now and lightning round at the end. So if you're on hold now, just to be honest, I don't think we're going to get to your calls until the final segment of this show, particularly to Ben in San Diego, Ryan in Portland, just a heads up there. Shoot, okay. shoot us a tweet with your questions. Yeah, you, well, we'll, you help, do that. we'll help you out there. Yeah, we could do that too. Let's uh, let's go to our Devani's five tough questions. Devani's hot question number one. Yeah, it's hot. I keep saying tough. It's going to take me years to get through this. <laughs> Can fantasy owners start Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen in the same backfield every week or most every week? Brian, life is tough when you don't have Devani's in your hand. There's That's that. true. Yes. Yeah. So thank you. Uh, normally, I'd say yes, and I'm going to say yes. You can start both. Might be a caveat this week because Howard's a little banged up, but let's pretend he's good to go. Yeah. You can start both of these guys because Howard's the bell cow running back, and Cohen is a scat back who is basically going to be a wide receiver this year. Uh, Cohen got 12 targets last week. Uh, it was against Atlanta, but still, he could get seven to eight to nine a week in this offense. 272 vacated targets for the Bears last year. Mm-hmm. That was before they lost Kevin White last week, so that yeah. packs on. It says about 300 targets that are now open for Chicago. So, yes, you can start both in this offense. Okay. I think this is a philosophical how you build your lineup question, and it comes down to are you looking for safety and touch volume from two backs in the same offense, or are you looking at upside and maybe multiple scores in big games from multiple backs. Um, I tend to go do the opposite on my team, so I'm looking at a stable of running backs where it's a fairly large group of running backs, and I'm playing the best matchups of the week. So I'm not going to end up with Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen on my team, and I would never I would never end up with two running backs in the same backfield. It's not my style. I would never do it. So your answer here is no. No, I, this I, was not meant for it, your it, personal it's, team. It's not. It, it's not meant for my taste. No. I would never start two running backs on the same offense. In the he's, he's been trying to trade for Devonte Howard and Tevin Coleman, by the way, for me in the Empire League. So he's a Devonte Howard doesn't exist. I say Devonte Freeman. Yeah. <laughs> in the preseason, we like Howard enough to rank him. You know, by we, I mean universally, rank yeah. him roughly running back five. Right. Cohen doesn't take anything away from him. No. Cohen still maintains, he's every bit, you know, he's every bit as good, Howard is, every bit as good regardless of what Cohen does because he doesn't take away anything from what Howard does. And Cohen can lead the team in receptions. As Brian correctly assessed, he's basically a wide receiver with a running back number on his back. And so you, you can absolutely start both guys. And I'll note this, you guys didn't bring up, Chicago's schedule has very few stoppers in it. I think there are only two games where you would hesitate to start both of these guys at Baltimore in Week 6, at Philadelphia in Week 12. The rest of it, game on. Devani's hot question number two. Should David Johnson owners just drop him? Matt? No, but I like the idea of trading him at a discount if you're in a redraft league, especially if you're thin at running back, because it's a wrist injury, which means he should be in good shape, and you can sell that to a trade partner. If the Cardinals' offense looks halfway decent this week against the Colts, you can also sell that to a trade partner. So I think that you'd have to sell to a team that's deep at running back, probably target their second or third running back, like a Isaiah Crowell or maybe a Tevin Coleman, since he didn't do much in Week 1. See if you can get a dart throw like Kenny Galladay, thrown in there, do mm-hmm. a two-for-one, do something like that, and see if you can work it. Okay. Yeah, I'm all for trying to trade him, Bob, but you can't drop him unless you're in a shallow 8-10 to 10 team league. But overall, I'm going to say no. Even though uh, when Johnson comes back, or when he hopefully comes back, let's say week 13 is the best-case scenario, 
He's looking at the Rams, Titans, at Washington. That's a plus matchup. But then the Giants in Week 16. If you play in Week 17, he's at Seattle. It's a brutal schedule. He's a special player. Uh, so not a great matchup, but I'm holding unless I can trade. No drop. Um, I I was not factoring in trading. I mean, you know, obviously the I think the the concept behind this was not you can go get value for him. You know, yeah. okay, great. You know, but right. that's I right. think the concept was here that trading was not an option. Although I didn't expressly put it in the question, you'll have to go with your own hearts on this one. <laughs> uh, this is all about opportunity cost. What are you losing by rostering a zero point player for the next three months? Could you be picking up somebody helpful? Somebody that's going to turn into a, it's going to turn bi week losses into bi week wins. Somebody who's going to surprise and become a starter for your team. You're looking at 12 weeks at a minimum at which you will have zero points. And that is simply too much to play. And he comes back for the fantasy playoffs. Are you in the fantasy playoffs at that point? Because you've taken, you've had a zero point guy on your roster all this time. Maybe not. Lastly, if he does come back in mid-December, which seems to be the the roughly the time between Thanksgiving and Christmas that he's estimated to come back, let's call it mid-December, are the Cardinals a three-win team at that point? A four-win team? And do they say to themselves, you know what? Are we going to trot him out there, have him suffer an ACL injury in a lost season? Maybe not. They may minimize him or not even bother bringing him back. So there's a lot of ways this thing could go sideways for David Johnson. And if you can't trade him, you may as well drop him. Devani's hot question number three. Should Danny Woodhead owners just drop him? Brian. Yes. Uh, I, was, I wasn't I was an advocate for drafting him. I was, In fact, I was quite against it. And I just look at the scenario this way. He'll be back around the midpoint season, uh, the midpoint of the season. So imagine you're doing a midpoint draft, you know, starting from scratch, middle yeah. of the season. Are you targeting Danny Woodhead in that draft? I certainly am not, so I don't want him on my team at the midpoint of the season. I never trust him to stay healthy for obvious reasons. I feel bad. He's a great player, but click, dropped. Sorry, Danny. I agree. Uh, he simply can't stay on the field, and no one is going to pick him up for that reason alone because he's so injury-prone. And if you listen to the show, the week or two before he comes back, he will be Charge's premature speculation that week. Then you can pick him up and put him back on your roster, and we'll be all okay. Allow me to read my third bullet point for the answer on this. <laughs> for now, you've got to drop him, but in early November, go get him. I will remind you during premature <laughs> speculation in early November. Hey, there we go. <laughs> you know me a little too. That's frightening how well you know me. Devani's hot question number four. Does Jacoby Brissett help the Colts offense, hurt the Colts offense, or neither? Matt? Well, he was my take-a-chance-on-me quarterback, so I think he helps the Colts offense a little. He's definitely a help over Scott Tolzien. Luck's shoulder is worse than they're letting on, I think. He's not going to play for months. It's it's going to be months, not weeks. Uh, they traded a former first round in uh, Philip Dorsett for Brissett as well. He has running ability. I think he gives that offense a slight chance to look good in any given week, so I, I he's got to help. Yeah, was this help from like the Tolzien era? Like, does he make the team? Be- was that the question? Yeah, is the team better off with effectively? Are they better off with Jacoby Brissett in this offense than and than other alternatives besides obviously Andrew right. Luck? I mean, yeah, you know they're moving to Brissett now. He's their starter. Yeah. Are they ultimately better now with him? Okay, so yeah, I would say yes. He's better than Scott <laughs> Scott Tolzien, who has given us uh, one thousand sixty five yards in four in his four year career. Brissett has only had 58 pass attempts in his career, but he's totaled 451 yards. That's a 300 per uh, 
300 yards per game pace. And as Matt mentioned, he's great on the ground, so easily improves the Colts' offense over Scott Tolzien. By definition, the Colts' offense couldn't go down. They're already at ground zero, right? <laughs> yeah, so that threw that that out. So the correct answer is either help or neither. He started, you remember he started two full games and played in part of another game, roughly half of another game last year. Yeah. Do you remember what happened in those games? He had a shutout for him, him and a shutout against him. Right. And he generated... Zero touchdowns himself. Did not throw a single touchdown in any of those. In fact, the the, the Patriots scored 459 points last year. Brissett, despite playing in two and a half games as the starter, provided zero of the 459 he, points. He, he, he had a rushing touchdown. Uh, yeah, actually, you might be right about 16 that. 16 carries, yes, 83 yards right. on a rushing touchdown. Right. I, I stand corrected. Uh, he brings a little athleticism to the position, which he definitely needs, because starting center Ryan Kelly's out again and is going to be out for a little while. Uh, ultimately, he does help. But not by much. Devani's hot question number five. The Bengals' offense hasn't scored a touchdown, and they're desperately churning offensive coordinators. Can you drop all of their running backs outright, Brian? We certainly harped on the concerns we had for uh, Cincinnati's offensive line in the preseason, and yeah, we uh, talked I, about it many times. It's quite evident Why now. Stay away. Yes. So I think you can safely drop Hill and Geo right now because you haven't invested a lot of draft capital in them. But you did for Joe Mixon, so it's a little premature to drop him right now. I think he had a few nice runs the other night against Houston, and uh, just look at his schedule coming up. He has Green Bay coming up next week, where they'll be chasing points. Hopefully, his role increases there, and then Cleveland next week. Don't drop Joe Mixon yet. There's hope for the rookie. Okay. Brian hit all my points. That's it. Yeah, I, and really, most of mine as well. I'll just mention a couple of more things here. If there's a chance that new offensive coordinator Bill Lazor is going to change up the mix and designate a workhorse back, which we you know we never got before, we right? Desperately need. Which, you would, that, which that would be nice. And if there's one guy that's going to happen to, Joe Mixon's the only one who's shown signs of life that he could be that back. So we're going to keep Mixon, hope against hope that that happens. But I want to spend just a second on something you just said, Brian. Okay. Haven't invested draft capital in a guy. I think that's. I think that kind of thinking is a huge mistake. Where you drafted a guy, or how much, po- how many auction dollars you put into a guy, should be irrelevant in your decisions going forward. Like if you made a mistake on Eddie Lacy, some of us had him ranked number fifty-one at the running back position, but maybe you didn't listen to that and you took him at, at the average draft position, which was you know like round eight or something. But people drafted you mix into. Be- be a 15 to 20 touch guy, and he hasn't gotten that opportunity yet. That's I'm kind of more no, speaking to that. I'm just talking more broadly. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with I don't. You. I think I don't think where you drafted a guy should stop you from dumping him if you need that roster spot for somebody else. Swallow your pride. Get rid of Adrian Peterson. Swallow your pride. Get rid of Eddie Lacy. Danny Woodhead. If David Danny Johnson. Woodhead, David Johnson. Right. I mean, just there. Just sometimes when you just need to make your team better, and you need to get over your mistakes that you made three weeks ago at the draft. Fish or cut bait. Uh, let me mention this as a side note, since we're happen to be on Lacey and Peterson, uh, I tweeted this just two years ago, two years ago, ADP player number two in the entire all of fantasy football average second player taken in drafts, Eddie Lacey average third player taken in drafts, Adrian Peterson. Here we are just two years later and they are both droppable out. We're not even droppable. You should drop them. It's not like droppable. You should be dropping both of them. That tells you the volatility of the running back position. And for anybody who comes back with which many people did on Twitter, well, that was two years ago. The point is, in the span of just two years, they went from the best, in the estimation of the fantasy community, the best 
two of the three best players possible to not even on rosters. So people got bludgeoned by those players over the last two years. So trade Le'Veon Bell now in Dynasty Leagues. You might want to do that. <laughs> Let's go back to our matchups. Matt, yeah. in Arizona, takes on the Indianapolis uh, Indianapolis Colts. Arizona, obviously, without David Johnson. Yeah, that's not good. Uh, let's start with the running backs, then. I have all of them on the bench. Kerwin, Andre Ellington, Ooh. and Chris Johnson. Even against the Colts. Even against, the, against Colts. the grain. It's all gross. Right, it's going it. to be a three-headed attack, despite the fact they called Kerwin Williams the starter. Williams averaged 2.0 yards per carry last week in the absence of Dave. Uh, Ellington will gobble up most of the receptions, and they re-signed CJ2K, who has scored like four touchdowns in the last three years. Yeah. He's going to get work. It's just going to be ugly, and I don't want any part of it. Um, I think this is your one chance to start Kerwin Williams because he knows he knows the offense better than the others do. Uh, Andre Ellington, they tried to convert to wide receiver in the offseason. didn't work. They got him back at running back. I don't think he's going to get a lot of carries. I don't know that Chris Johnson's ready to get a lot of carries, and it's the Colts. I feel like this is, and I don't like Kerwin Williams, but I think this is the one chance you could do it. There's no buys this week. Nobody's starting Kerwin Williams. Come on. I th- oh, I no, a lot of people no. starting Kerwin Williams. All right, can uh, you do a Kermit the Frog? Hi ho, this is Kerwin Williams. Wow. <laughs> that was really good. That was really <laughs> disturbingly good, actually. Yay! You've got kids. All right. Um, Carson Palmer, I got a C level start on. What's bad for the offense is bad for the offense, we always say on this show. Palmer lost maybe the best running back in the league and his left tackle, DJ Humphreys, in week one. He threw three picks last week, but one of which David Johnson ran the wrong route, one of which he was hit during the throw, and one of which was Andre Ellington tipping it to a defender. So they really weren't as much his fault on that one. Uh, Jermaine Gresham and Larry Fitzgerald each dropped touchdowns, and J.J. Nelson dropped a 40-yard pass. So Carson Palmer's day could have looked really good for a yeah. couple throws going the other way. Sure. So I still got him as a C-level start against a bad NDD. Uh, also got Larry Fitzgerald as a C-level start. Fitzy had 13 targets last week against the Lions, but very much looked his age. Uh, the Colts have a terrible secondary, but have only allowed three touchdowns to opposing wide receivers in the last eight games. Yeah, they're terrible now, though. Yeah, I know Vontae Davis is out and yeah. Fitz is free, but yeah, I, and so and so are starting safeties out too. Yeah, this is a I think it's a nice opportunity for my guy JJ uh, Nelson. It looks like Brian's guy Jermaine Gresham is out this week, and uh, John Brown is out as well. Charge had JJ Nelson as his take a chance on me wide receiver. And uh, Jaron Brown's the other guy who's there, and I get it. It's the worst secondary in the league, but I I don't want to start any part of the Carson Palmer team outside of Larry Fitzgerald right now. On the other side, Jacoby Brissett was my take-a-chance-on-me quarterback. I got a C-level start on uh, T.Y. Hilton. He figures to draw Pat Pete in this game, but Golden Tate had a decent outing last week in his coverage. The bright spot here, he led the team in targets and has been, been pretty much at the top of that list regardless of quarterback. Uh, who's been in for the Colts. Uh, I got Frank Gore and Marlon Mack on the bench. No running back has topped 100 yards against the Cards Uh-oh. since week three of last season. Yeah. This is gross, and it's a timeshare right now. And I got uh, Dante Moncrief and Jack Doyle both on the bench. Moncrief caught the big 50-yard throw from Brissett last week, but that was it. He's generally useless if Andrew Luck's not playing, and even then he's touchdown dependent. And the Cards, after being a tight end Easy spot for the last like five years. Mm-hmm. Last year they figured it out and were one of the top defenses against tight ends in 2016. So Doyle's not a value play in this matchup. When we come back, we will talk about the Dallas Cowboys at the Denver Broncos. A tough matchup, another tough matchup for the Dallas Cowboys who just came off of one. Now they get another one as they travel to the Denver Broncos. Beyond Zeke, do you dare start anybody? We'll tell you when we come back. 
Big Man, the fan of Big Bob. Now matchups for you, beginning with the Washington Redskins taking on the Los Angeles Rams. I don't think the Rams are going to score 46 points this game. Probably not, but uh, Washington's defense isn't that great. But let's start with their offense. Uh, Kirk Cousins gets a C. He did not look good last week. But uh, going back to last year, the Rams allowed at least three passing touchdowns in four of their last six games. Scott Tolzien and the Rams or and the Colts are not a true test for the Rams last right. week, so we have nothing to glean from that really. But uh, Cousins is startable. Uh, as is Terrell Pryor, my boy gets a B this week. Uh, had 11 targets last week, was a PPR helper. Dropped a long touchdown, which was just brutal. Mm-hmm. But he was wide open, and he'll continue to get wide open this year. Uh, not a plus matchup by any means, but I do see another 10 targets at least in this game. Um, as for his counterpart, Jameson Crowder in the slot, I got him on the bench. He was really quiet last week. Uh, the Rams... Well, he's kind of dinged up, too, though. He was. Uh, he's coming along, but Nikhil Roby Coleman is an above-average slot corner. He is. He's... Crowder is worth starting, but he's also worth exploring other options if you have him. So oh, I have him on the bench personally, though. Uh, Jordan Reed gets a C. Didn't really look like he had a broken toe last week. Looked okay to me. I think maybe they're just getting the news out there in advance because they're expecting a broken toe. It's so going to happen. It's like boilerplate yeah. Reed injury report, basically. He is a thin orthotic away from hitting the IR on, okay. on the toe. Yep. Uh, he did catch five passes last week, just 36 yards. The eight targets were encouraging. You still have to start him when he's on the field, bottom line. And uh, Rob Kelly gets the C, just barely startable. Aaron Donald is back in full swing for the Rams, who only allowed two running backs to top 100 yards since the start of last season. Uh, over to the Rams, Todd Gurley gets a B. I'm close to giving him an A in this matchup, but he had to work a little too hard for those good numbers he posted against the Colts, who are yeah. a very bad run defense. Washington is also a very bad run defense, though. They were one of three teams to allow 20 total touchdowns to running backs last year. And Gurley was key in the passing game last week. Caught five passes for 56 yards. So he's looking like a true bell cow, as we expected. Uh, Sammy Watkins is more like Sammy Squatkins this week. I got him on the bench. It's all about Josh Norman. Yeah, Should have benched Alshon Jeffrey last week. Yep, Should bench Sammy Watkins this week. It's that simple for me. Uh, for that reason, I have Robert Woods as my take-a-chance-on-me wide receiver. Secondary receivers just kill Washington. And for that reason, Cooper Cup, who I was going to use as my take-a-chance-on-me receiver, but felt he was too obvious after that great debut, yeah. he gets a B for the same reason. <laughs> I, Robert I had Cooper Cup as my take-a-chance-on-me wide receiver but last week, but then last week's co-host Jay said he wanted to use another another of the receivers for the Rams. So I'm like, all right, fine, I'll get off of Cooper Cup, and I went to somebody else. Now I regret never letting Jay change my take a chance at me, no, guys, again. Don't do that. Yeah. And uh, lastly, I'll give Jared Goff a C. Even with Watkins presumably neutralized, there's probably enough here to cobble together 250-2 and two in this matchup. So, Yeah, Jared Goff, how about that? Let's, uh, let's go to our next matchup, San Francisco taking on the Seattle Seahawks. That's mine. Uh, I got a couple of C grades here for the Niners, and that's it. Carlos Hyde caught five balls on six targets last week. Shanahan is feeding Hyde receptions, and he's going to need it uh, because they're going to be behind. They're going to be throwing a lot, and that's your angle here. Really, is is what he can Hyde can give you through the air, which I I think is going to be you know not ha- not not bad. Um, Seattle has had trouble in the past with pass catching running backs, so we'll start Carlos Hyde here. Didn't do much in this matchup last year for whatever that's worth, but new offense now with Shanahan. Pierre Garcon, obviously with a very tough matchup, but he'll draw the least good of the Seahawks cornerbacks, Shaq Griffin who Pro Football Focus ranked as cornerback 65 after week one. And San Francisco is going to be playing from behind, and I think they're throwing throughout in this game. So C-grade on Pierre Garçon. Uh, everybody else is on the bench. Let's go to the Seattle side. A-grade on Doug Baldwin, who smoked the Niners for 164 yards in 
one of the two matchups last year, but he was quiet in the other one. He runs out of the slot almost exclusively. That puts him up against Kwan Williams, who wasn't good enough for the Browns to keep him in the offseason. So I got to believe this is a pretty good matchup for him. And Williams allowed no-name slot receiver Russell Shepard to score against him last week, and Doug Baldwin's a lot better than Russell Shepard. So A grade for Doug Baldwin. Let's go to uh, Russell Wilson, who's got a B grade. Obviously limited by his horrific offensive line, but the Niners get very little pressure on quarterbacks, including Cam Newton last week, who, uh, who they were held to zero sacks. So I think Russell Wilson's fine here. Uh, he's no less mobile than um, than Cam Newton was, and I don't think they get any pressure on him. And in his two matchups with San Francisco last year, he threw for about 240 yards in both of those, had one touchdown in both of those. I think that's your kind of your minimums here. Uh, I don't do not expect an explosive game from Russell Wilson because of the offensive line, but a solid game sounds right. Staying with the passing game, Jimmy Graham, C grade. Despite just well, he had just eight yards last week. And he's forced to block a lot more than we want him to because the, the Seattle offensive line stinks. And the Niners held Greg Olson last week to just 18 yards, so I don't love him here. I know you draft him. There are people like Jimmy Graham is like number two tight end. Graham had a couple of bad drops last week in that game, too, that were just ugly. He was targeted five times, and he only turned it into two catches. Yeah. Uh, Paul Richardson will match up with Rashard Robinson, who played pretty well last week, and he limited Kelvin Benjamin to just one catch. Tyler Lockett's going to get a little more playing time, which is a little worrisome for Richardson, but I still think he doesn't take that much away from Richardson, who's going to be an every-down starter, and you could give him a C grade. Let's go on to the running game. C grades on Chris Carson and Thomas Rawls, who will split carries, and I think both have decent performances here. The Niners were dead last against the run last year, and they gave up 113 rushing yards last week. Speaking of last week, both Jonathan Stewart and Christian McCaffrey were helpful to fantasy owners, so maybe both Carson and Rawls can do it here, too, if Seattle's offensive line can just do anything, which, frankly, isn't a given. Eddie Lacy. There's drop, an drop offensive right line now. epidemic in the NFL right now. No, there is. It's there are like six ruining or, the game. There, there is. There's yeah. six or seven teams that are paralyzed by bad offensive line play, and it's it's a huge underreported issue for the whole league. You know, we're all busy talking about Colin Kaepernick. How about the fact that seven teams can't cobble together an offensive line that can do anything? (laughs) Let's go to our next matchup, which is the Dallas Cowboys at the Denver Broncos. Tough matchup for Dallas. Another one. We'll start Zeke, of course. What What about the passing game? Are there any angles here that you like against a traditionally stout Denver secondary. Yeah, it's really the dump-offs and the tight end work. Uh, I got a C-grade on Jason Witten. He led the team with nine targets last week. The Broncos had a problem with good tight ends last year. Travis Kelsey torched them twice, and both Gates and Hunter put up some pretty big days. If you're desperate for a late-game dart throw, Witten's not a bad one. He's not a super great start, but he's a C. Uh, Dak Prescott I gave a C to as well, um, basically because he's a talented player. Only one quarterback top 267 yards against the Broncos last year. That was Drew Brees, and they gave up multiple touchdown passes only twice last season. Only six quarterbacks even hit the 200-yard mark. The bright spot is two of the three passing touchdowns that Phillip Rivers had last week mm-hmm. came from inside the 11-yard line, and I think that's Witten's zone, and I think that's Ezekiel Elliott's zone, who's yeah. been more involved in the passing game. Uh, I have Des Bryant and all the wide receivers on the bench. Only eight wide receivers topped 50 yards against the Broncos last season. Seven touchdowns they allowed to wide receivers mm. last year. It's just gross. Uh, he get, Bryant gets the slightly better matchup against Bradley Roby since most of his routes run to the left side of the field, but I still don't want to start him. He hasn't looked good as no. long as Dak Prescott's been the quarterback there, frankly. Really? Uh, on the Broncos' side... 
It's a, it's a bench grade for Trevor Simeon. In the last 14 games, only two quarterbacks have topped 300 yards against Dallas, and only five have thrown for multiple touchdowns. I'll give tepid C grades to Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders at C's. Cowboys top cornerback Orlando Skandrick broke his hand last week, so if he plays this week, he'll probably be in some sort of weird clubby hand thing. <laughs> that probably takes away the interceptions there. I'm not chasing Benny Fowler, who had the two touchdowns last week. He only had 57% of the snaps, and he only had four targets in that game. So let's go on to C.J. Anderson and the running game. Uh, Jamal Charles obviously was my take-a-chance-on-me runner. C.J. Anderson I'm giving a B start to. I thought he looked pretty good last week, to be I honest. I thought he did, he too. Hard. Um, he had 20 carries last week. That was the fourth time in three years that he's hit the 20-carry wow. mark. It. it happened last week or last year in weeks one and two yeah, right. when he yeah, was yeah, fresh. Yeah. Right. So Dallas's defense finished eighth in RBDVOA last season. Basically, that's a measure of how difficult they are against runners. However, let's look at the running backs they faced last year. They had Le'Veon Bell, who's good. Then the best runners they had that had 15 carries or more, Rashad Jennings, Carlos Hyde, Eddie Lacy, Darren Sproles, Paul Perkins, Doug Martin. That's not a murderer's row of running backs no. right there. So C.J. Anderson's probably the next best out of that crew. That's why I'm giving him a B start here. When we come back, premature speculation. Three guys you can pick up off the waiver wire now that we think could be hot commodities next week, and they'll already be on your roster, plus our final two matchups and lightning round. And that- Fantasy Football Weekly. Thank you for joining us today. We've got a bit that we like to do called premature speculation. We don't have a sounder for that. I think it's best that we don't have a sounder <laughs> no, I, for premature really, speculation. Some lucky fan out there needs to make us one. No, please don't. Like, please. No, no that's no. okay. Don't do not send us audio <laughs> of anything related to premature speculation. These are three players you can pick up now that we think will be hot waiver wire guys next week. We begin with Brian. I don't know if he's going to be a hot waiver wire guy, but I think he'll have uh, some use after this week. It's uh, Marquise Goodwin, wide receiver for the San Francisco 49ers. Mm -hmm. Last week, his six targets trailed only Pierre Garçon. Uh, He dropped a long touchdown, unfortunately. Saw a a few more uh, deep targets. That's very Marquise Goodwin of him. But uh, I've seen him catch some long ones, too. So so did the Viking fans in the preseason. (laughs) Definitely. Uh, Probably won't do much against the Seahawks this week, but after this week, he has the Rams, Arizona, Washington, and Indy. Uh, last year, Arizona and the Rams were both one of the 10 teams to allow at least 55 yards per game to number two wide receivers. Indy's secondary is just bad. We all know that. And uh, then when they face Washington, we can all expect Pierre Garçon to draw Josh Norman, and we talked about secondary mm-hmm. receivers against Washington. So if you're really desperate for a wide receiver, uh, Marquise Goodwin could be a big Hail Mary uh, addition. All right, matchups. Uh, this one's kind of a hunch, but I got Jamal Williams of the Packers. He's the backup uh, to T, uh, Ty Montgomery. Yes. Um, the Falcons, the easiest way to beat them is running backs who can catch the ball and just running the running game against the Falcons. And uh, I th- Ty Montgomery catches the ball just fine. Ty Montgomery catches the ball just fine, but Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen had huge days last week. If the Packers decide that they need to just keep running the ball and using runners... If Jamal Williams gets five to ten touches in this game, which he had like two or three last game, and he breaks one, people are going to be all over this guy and trying to add him to their rosters. I think he's a great guy to add, especially if you're a Ty Montgomery owner. Patriots utility guy Rex Burkhead had just ten snaps in week one and got dropped by a lot of people. Uh, I think that's going to prove to be a mistake, and I believe he will end up shifting to slot receiver with Danny Amendola out, and he may have some success there. And they're going to see, I think we're going to see Burkhead 
as a running back and as a receiver, and I think you can go get him now. And alternately, let me just re-mention somebody we touched on earlier. Eric Decker dropped in tons of leagues. Yeah, that was that was those are premature drops, and he's got a, a nice opportunity for a good game this week and good games beyond that. He belongs on rosters. Let's go back to our final set of matchups, and then we'll get to lightning round. We begin with a, a game that could have a ton of points: Packers at Falcons. Brian. Yeah, so we can get to these lightning round callers. Uh, let's just be blunt here. Aaron Rodgers, Jordy Nelson, Devontae Adams, Randall Cobb, and Ty Montgomery, all in A. If you're not starting Even them. Cobb. I'm not as with you on Cobb out of that group. Uh, I like Cobb. Uh, he missed the regular season meeting last year, uh, but in the playoffs he had six for 82. I don't mm-hmm. know, over under a 57. I'm starting everyone for uh, Green Bay that I just mentioned. Even Martellus Bennett, he gets the lone B. Uh, Atlanta was one of ten. One of ten teams to allow 60 yards per game to tight ends last year. Bennett saw a respectable six targets last week. I see yep. an uptick in an sh- expected shootout this week. Uh, over to the Falcons, Devonta Freeman gets a B. Totaled three touchdowns in the two meetings between these teams last year. Basically a 60-40 split with Tevin Coleman, mm-hmm. but both are worth playing in a, in a shootout scenario. I like Coleman a lot. Saw six targets last week to Freeman's two. He's more active in the passing game. Both are startable. Julio Jones is as well. He gets an A. Went bonkers in the playoff game against the Packers last yeah. year. But their 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 secondary was in a sad state of affairs. Probably as sad as it could ever get. Uh, but uh, Jones should dominate. Still most of the same yeah. players now. Yeah. Jones should dominate Demarius Randall and Devon House. He's an yep. easy A. Mohamed Sanu is startable. He gets a C. Nine targets last week and six catches. He had as many targets as Taylor, Gabriel, and Julio Jones combined. Will be a PPR helper in this shootout. As should Austin Hooper. He's now the featured tight end. Had a big game last week. Probably not going to have an 80-yard touchdown reception mm. in this one. <laughs> yeah. But uh, he is startable. And then, of course, Matt Ryan startable with an startable. A. Startable, yeah. Uh, 288 and 3 and 392 no, and yeah, 4 right. in the it's, two, touch, in the two uh, meetings last week. So, yeah, this is going to be a lot of points in this game. Yeah, it's basically start them all is yep. the short answer to that one. Uh, the deal on Cobb is when you attack Seattle like they did last week, you always attack through the middle of the field. We saw Bennett get a lot of run. We saw Cobb get a lot of run. Cobb's historically done really well against Seattle for Green Bay. I worry now when you can beat you can beat uh, the Falcons on the outside, they don't have to go to Cobb as much as they did last week. So Ryan Poole is I, the weakest corner between Robert Alford and Desmond Trufant, though. He's yeah. the slot guy, so I don't know. you you got to start him after I just, last week. I just want to put him at the A level. Okay, That's all. Fair enough. All right, let's go, uh, let's go to our final matchup, which is the Monday Nighter, and that is Detroit at the New York Giants. Uh, let's start with the... Um, Let's start with the running game and Amir Abdullah with a C grade. Giants have an elite run stuffer in Snacks Harrison, and the Lions ran a pult for a paltry 59 yards in the Week 15 matchup. These teams played each other just four games ago, uh, and Lions did nothing on the ground last week. He averaged a brutal two yards per carry, Abdullah did, and Theo Riddick houses all the reception, so it's barely a C grade on Amir Abdullah, and frankly, I, I hope you have other options you can take. Theo Riddick's on the bench. The Giants have not allowed a running back receiving touchdown in 21 games. Theoretic on the bench. Let's go to the passing game. Matthew Stafford, despite the four touchdowns last week, slumps to a a C grade here. Uh, In Detroit's Week 15 matchup with the Giants last year, uh, he threw for zero touchdowns, one interception, 273 yards. Giants have gotten an elite secondary, filled with awesome players, Janoris Jenkins, Landon Collins. This is a tough matchup. Golden Tate is Stafford's safety valve, and Tate, although, has a tough matchup with Dominique Rodgers-Cromartie out of the slot. I don't love that part. He didn't face Dominique Rodgers-Cromartie from the slot last year because he wasn't playing the slot last year, and he put up a gigantic game, 122 yards. I don't think that's going to happen now because he's in the slot. 
who gets the opportunity to go up against Eli Apple like Tate did last year? Could be Kenny Gall- Galladay. We've got a C grade on it. Could be Marvin Jones. We don't know which one of those is going to get Janoris Jenkins and which one's going to get Eli Apple. I view them both as highly speculative, dangerous plays. I have C grades on Galladay and Jones. Eric Ebron gets a C grade. Saw seven targets when Detroit faced New York in the Week 15 matchup last year. He converted those seven targets into just 36 yards. It's worth noting the Giants allowed seven catches for 59 yards and a touchdown to Jason Witten last week, though, so there's your glimmer of hope on Ebron. Let's go to the Giants' side. My favorite player among all of the Giants is my take-a-chance-on-me player, Shane Vereen, who I gave a B grade to. Let's go to the the rest of the, well, of the other running backs. Paul Perkins is the only one that you care about. I, I wouldn't start him. I've got a bench grade on him. Terrible offensive line. He's not a good player. Last year, get this. Paul Perkins somehow turned 112 carries into zero touchdowns. You know how hard it is to do that? <laughs> he topped 50, he has topped 50, 68 yards one time in his entire career. He's bad. He was even worse uh, last week than that. And in, in week 15 meeting between these teams, he had just 56 total yards. There's your upside for Paul Perkins. We, we pegged him as a bench player. Uh, five we did. Questions in, the pre, yeah, in the preseason, yep. we said he was a bench player. And that's, you know, here he is grading out as a bench player right now. He's kind of cut player. Maybe the only one you cut in as a starting running back in the NFL. Yeah, he might be. He might be actually somebody you cut outright. Um, all right, let's go to the uh, passing game. Eli Manning last week saw short dump-off stuff. That's going to be the case here again. It's part of why I like Shane Vereen so much. And Odell Beckham playing or not does not matter. I I, I can't believe he's going to be far from full health here. He'll be playing hobbled. I don't think that until he's at full strength, I'm not counting Odell Beckham as somebody that's necessarily going to be able to help Eli Manning in a meaningful way. At most, he's a decoy. Last year in this matchup, he posted a modest 200 yards. He did have two touchdowns, though, but he had Odell Beckham at full strength last year. Now you get Odell Beth- Beckham either not playing or hobbled. I, I can't. I just I can't support Eli Manning looking a lot better than he did last year. And then for Odell Beckham, so it looks like there's a chance he's going to go. But if he plays at all, will he be a decoy? And then if he's not a decoy, how do they throw a lot of balls his way, or do they work him in a little bit? And then lastly, this. If he's good, they'll just put Darius Slay on him, and now he's got a really tough matchup with a good cornerback in Slay. He doesn't want to go on the Slay ride. You don't want the Slay ride. So all that together, and I'm nervous about Odell Beckham. I wouldn't play him, and I know, and you can't wait till Monday night to sort all this out. You're gonna have to make your decisions on Sunday. To me, that's way way too many moving parts. Last thing, Brandon Marshall. I like him when when Odell Beckham is healthy. You're gonna you're gonna be hearing a lot about how I like Brandon Marshall. He's not a number one wide receiver at this stage of his career. He just isn't. No, no, Evan Ingram. Uh, Evan Ingram to me is a I see it's a good play. matchup. It's a good. Matchup. It is matchup against a team that struggles historically against the tight end. C-ish, I'm going to give him All a right. C. I'll give him a C for right. you, if only for you. <laughs> it's for the people, just for Brian. It is time for lightning round. You know how this works. It is one question between two exactly two players. We do not want a question between three players. We do not. You do not have a question if it's only one player. Let's go to the people that have been on hold a very long time. I think Mac has been on hold literally the entire show. Hi, Mac. Thank you for your patience. Thank you, thank you. Uh, Devonta Parker or Jeremy Macklin? Ooh, it's a tough secondary for the L.A. Chargers, but I'm still going with Parker. might be out. That could be the big difference. I'm still going Parker, regardless. Uh, Ben in San Diego, thank you for your patience also on hold almost the whole show. Yeah, no problem, guys. Thanks, guys. Just a question. EPR, full point. 
Should I stay with Devontae Adams or should I go with Jacqueline Rogers? Definitely stay with Devontae Adams. Yeah, A-level start. This is going to be a good game. Yeah, Devontae Adams got hung out to dry on Richard Sherman a lot last yep. week, and that's not going to be the case here. Twelve catches in one of the meetings scored in the other one against Atlanta last year. Nate, hello. Hey, guys. Uh, I got a 12-team standard. Uh, I'm looking for the flex position between Adam Thielen or Kevin Coleman. Okay. Um, you know, with questions on the Vikings uh, quarterback situation right now, I'm just gonna I'm gonna go with Tevin Coleman for some of the reasons that Brian just discussed and all the points that come out of there. Logan, hello. Hi. Um, that was Gillisley or Crowell. Yeah. Uh, Got to go with Gillisley in the shootout, like okay. Charge said. Yep. Uh, reminder, because we lightning round still pretty new this week. The way it works, especially for people who are in town. You ask your question, I hang up on you, you listen to the response on your radio. Uh, Billy, you're next. Say it again, Billy. Aguilar or Marshall? Nelson Aguilar or Marshall? Uh, I, I think Marshall is probably closer to a starting grade, right? Yeah, I would too. Maybe the Odell Beckham decoy thing will work to his advantage. Yeah. And they'll put Slay on Odell Beckham. Yeah. Uh, Brian, hello. Hey, guys, second question point PPR, Walker or Bennett? Uh, Bennett for the reasons that uh, that Brian just talked about. I I, I like, like Walker, too. It's it's a coin flip. It really is. Walker's got a much tougher matchup. Just go with, go with the shootout. I'm going I'm going where the points are. Mark, hello. Hey, tight end position, Hunter Henry or Zach Miller? Hunter Henry or Zach Miller. Barely oh, hear our man. callers, Tony. If you can help us with that, that would I would great. love to see your waiver wire, man, because I don't like either of those guys. Yeah. I, I I guess Hunter Henry, because he's shown us something in the past. Zach Miller is pretty much dead. Zach went healthy. Went healthy. You know, I'd say I, I might go Miller just because they have so few other targets to throw to. They do, but it's a tough matchup, Tampa Bay, believe it or not. They were very good against tight ends. Go get Cameron Brait if he's available. Or Charles DJ, Clay. Or Charles or Clay. Yeah, absolutely. DJ, you're next. Uh, full point PPR, Rob Kelly or Thomas Rawls? I just don't know what we're going to see out of Thomas Rawls. I think I know that Rob Kelly is going to be the, He's going to get the, the bell cow back, back so right? I'm going to go with Rob Kelly. I think Perrine had, like, one play. Yeah. Maybe, like, no I, touches. Yeah, I don't week. think he had a touch, no. Yeah. Uh, John, you're next. Yes, uh, non-PPR, uh, Jason Witten or Cameron Brate? Uh, you, Cameron Brate was your take-a-chance-on-me guy, he, he but was. you gave us, you liked Witten a lot this week. So I, I, not I a like, lot, but he's the one cowboy worth starting. Yeah, in I like Braid better this week. Right, I'm I, let, yeah, you we, broke down Braid in detail, so I'm going to go yeah, with your judgment on. Oh, this, I take Braid too. I'm normally go against your judgment, so consider that a compliment. But Gary. I'm the tight end whisperer. That's true. <laughs> Gary, you're next. Half point PPR. Say it again, Gary. Half point PPR. Uh, his phone's cutting out. Yeah, Gary, we just we're not getting clear reception. I'm sorry, we can't hear what you're saying. I got saying. the half point PPR. Yeah, that time. doesn't help us. Yeah, Chris, you're next. Uh, standard scoring: Martavis Bryant or Pierre Garcon. Okay. Uh, Garcon in Seattle is a little dicey, so I would go Bryant in this one. Frankie, you're next. Hey, uh, half point PPR: uh, Mark Ingram or Tariq Cohen. Ah, I'll, I'll go Tariq Cohen. I think I think the upside there is is fun. Let's go with Tariq Cohen. I would too. Marty, you're next. Mark Davis, Bryant, uh, Landry, and CPR. Uh, I'm going Bryant, and I, I think they're going to test Trey Waynes a lot, and there's going to be some opportunities for deep plays. Knocked off the rust last week. Mo, you're next. Yeah, I want to watch football uninterrupted tomorrow, so do <laughs> I 
fake an injury to my back, or do I tell my wife and kids I'm sick? Uh, I have to fake the injury to the back because it's so hard to get a proper diagnosis, right? I mean, if you're saying I'm sick, you got to fake a bunch of coughs and stuff. If it's the injury in the back, you just settle into a comfortable spot and say you can't be moved. That's Im- almost impossible for anybody to verify against you. And then people have to bring you like they snacks bring and you chips That's because right. you can't get up. Exactly. And by the way, Martavis Bryant doesn't knock off the rust. He knocks off the resin. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Yeah. Todd, your last question for the day. Breeze, Newton, or Bradford? How do we do You know, we it, it's we ended on that note. But wait, it's so obvious. I, and it's a, not it's only like you break the, the rules, but it's, I can't end that way. Brian, go fast. <laughs> Brian, okay, yeah, I want to go off. I'm trying to figure out uh, uh, Corey Davis or Tyrell Williams. Tyrell Williams. Tyrell. All right, done. <laughs> you missed any part of the show. Check out the podcast. KFAN Fan On Demand. We have a new podcast feed, and we really need your rankings and reviews in there to help other people nationally find the show. Please take a moment to do that. We very much appreciate it. Also, we have our own channel on the iHeartRadio app. You can find us there as well. Tony, I don't know what's next. Go for football pregame. Go for football pregame. Stay tuned for that. That is coming up next. Talk to you in a week. Bye-bye. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.